0: good. All right, you guys know I love a little bit of critical care, guys. I can't deny it. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it, oh, I'm sorry. You probably wonder why do we always have to start off with these cases? Just look out. Does that make sense? All right, so we're going to start off with a little case, actually, right? So you're up in the metropolis of there you go. Right, you're up in the metropolis of Sioux Lookout. You're working in your small community. Emerge. Keep in mind, that that's an LMCC station, could that be a? Could that be a? Could that be the location that where where you could have this case in? Of course, right. That could be the location where you're going to have this case in. Right. They're not going to put you in downtown Toronto where you can say call somebody else who knows what they're doing. Does that make sense? Right, so you're in your small community emergency department, and all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, you get a, 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 um, um the ambulance arrives with a thirty-five year old male, and he is having significant respiratory distress. What are you going to do? You're on presentation inside the room. He's arrived with a basic ambulance crew, so no IV, no nothing. They just come to you and say, "Yeah, you know what, um, dude here is having lots of problems breathing. You see him? You walk into the room. What are you going to do? Exactly, right? Exactly. So, this was a station, right? You'd wash your stand to the. Excellent. Introduce yourself. Does that make sense? Check their CABs vitals. Does that make sense? And you'd say it. That's what you do on the station. Could I give you that station on the examination? And the answer is yes. Excellent. So, we're going to do that. Hello, uh, whoa, well, Mr. Johnson, you're looking. Oh, hi, my name is Dr. Curlew. I'm one of the second year residents here in Sioux Lookout. Um, wash my hands, stand to the right. How many help you today? Can we please get his vitals? Does that make sense? you didn't instruct the nurse to get his vitals. And what three letters? I'm now going to proceed to check these CABs, C's. <sighs> Doc, I'm not feeling too good. Doc, I'm really not feeling too good. I can barely breathe. Okay, what is it? Tell me. Airways? Good, you comment on that. Okay, his airway is open, right? Does it mean it's open forever? Does it mean it cannot close, but it means right now his airway is open, open right? Okay, what's he doing? <gasps> Breathing? Breathing? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right? You feel his pulse? He has a pulse. He's talking to you. Does that make sense? All right, so what are you going to set up next? You're going to say, okay, I've done my ABCs. That just tells me that he's alive. Doesn't mean he's going to be alive for long, but he just tells me that he's going to be alive. Can you guys feel me? Are we good so far? Five marks for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, just just doing that. You know what? That kind of stuff is going to help you in life as well too, right? Because you know what? When we've looked at simulation in the past, the mistakes that people tend to make, guys, are not doing the ABCs. Does that make sense? And coming and just focusing on the breathing, and then no one checked his pulse, right? And then you don't know if you didn't check his pulse, you don't know when he's going to lose his pulse necessarily. We good so far? Mm -hmm. All right, so we do our CABs, ABCs, And what are we going to do next? What are those four other letters? OMIP. What does it stand for? O stands for... Oxygen. What are you going to tell the nurse on the examination? Oxygen. you just say, oxygen! No, I'm not going to say it like that. Does that make sense? How are you going to say it? Non-rebreather. Excellent. Excellent, right? So can we please apply the 100% non-rebreather ask on the patient? Can we make sure it's connected to the wall and the oxygen is on? Boom. Does that make sense? All right, what else are we going to do? M stands for? Monitor. This is in sulu here. You can't say, oh, pass the race car monitor, the MET team car monitor. Does that make sense? Right. what are you going to do to monitor that patient? Good, so we're going to do pulse oximetry. What are we going to do? Make sure it's set to what? Continuously. Does that make sense? It's not just good to have one measurement, right? You want a continuous measurement for the exam. You have to say that. Does that make sense? Because that's a difference. I can put the SAT probe monitor on, and I can get you a SAT, and I can proceed to then take away that monitor, and you have no idea what that person's SAT is in the next 30 seconds. So you want a continuous, right? So that's O2 SAT. What else can I monitor with? Exactly, blood pressure. How do I want to do it? Blood pressure is also... Cycling continuously. Good stuff, right? What can I do? Cardiac? Monitor, right? You can get the crash car, put the leads and the pacing pads on. Boom. All right. His O2 saturation, he's on 15 liters. Um, his saturation is 91%. His heart rate is 130. It's a sinus tachycardia. On the monitor, his blood pressure is 163 over 78. He sounds like his dog. <laughs> I feel really horrible. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna say let me let me see? Okay, let me ask you a few questions here. Tell me about your brain. What kind of woman was she? Does that make sense? <laughs> are you gonna do that? You know, like, was she was she nice? Did she have a gallbladder out? <laughs> <laughs> this this exact well, you know what? Look, this type of station would be this type of station would be an LMCC, right? They wouldn't ask you this sort of station on a suit. Does that make sense? Maybe on a suit you could oh, yeah. Let me. T- How does that make you feel? Does that make sense? How does knowing that you're about to die make you feel? Does that make sense? (laughs) All right, so we're going to continue on here, folks. All right? So, okay, what are we going to, so what kind of questions are we going to ask this person? Tell me about your grandmother. Good, excellent. I like that question. They're looking for a focused history and physical. What did that say, guys? The F word is? Focused right? They want, they want, they want questions that are going to get you to an answer quickly. Does that make sense? If they want physical exam, for they don't want 99. Are we going to do 99? Not ah uh, e. Are you going to be doing ah uh, e? Are you going to be doing that? Scratch scratch. Ah, uh, no no no. You're not going to be doing that, right? I can, I've never been able to pronounce that word. What's it called? plectorictory? Plectoriloquy, Plectoriloquy. There we go. Does that make sense? Are you going to be doing that on the exam? No, you will fail because you will run out of time. Does that make sense? So what is it? Is it cursory history and physical examination? How about everybody to know what the ample history is? Do you ever hear of the ample history? like allergies, last meal, does that make sense? It's called the ample history, right? Write it down, right? That's the kind of questions that you want to ask, right? You want to, And you want to get a focused medical history, right? So what, what kind of questions would you want to ask him? He's just here presenting with a wheeze, 35-year-old guy. All of a sudden, what kind of questions are you going to ask him? rapid fire, shout out some things. Good, any allergies? I'm allergic to peanuts. Did you- exactly, I was at a birthday party. Huh? Birthday cake. Love birthday cake. I don't know. Huh? I just felt like, God, I, I don't know. My, my, my breathing just got a whole lot worse. Huh? <gasps> you know, my dog gave me that, but it, it's cool. Like, it doesn't look cool, right? You can't see my name. It depends. They're not cool, right? So... Army, huh, Yeah, you know, it used to happen to me as a kid a couple times and stuff. But, you know, the reactions were never that bad. You know, I stopped taking it. This could be an actual case. This could be an actual what case, right? The what time did last eat? Oh, man, literally like 30 minutes ago, right? Then I called the ambulance because I started looking like garbage. Has your tongue been swelling or has been going in? Uh, not really. Just having a hard time breathing. Yeah. So you see that? What you guys are asking, guys, you guys are asking relevant a focused history questions. Does that make sense? This is focused stuff. That's what you want to focus on in a critical care sort of situation because you have to be able to initiate a treatment quickly. Are we good so far? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do this quickly. You don't have time to sit around and know about, do the full genogram about what's going on. Does that sound okay? All right. What's if I say, oh, by the way, Doc, you know what? Ugh. You know, the person who showed up at the party says, oh, you know what, this person, yeah, there was no peanuts there. We knew about his allergy. We saw his medic alert bracelet. Write that down. Check for that, right? Write down medic alert. Like that for the obtunded patient, right? You come inside. You say, I'm going to check their medic alert. When I see that, when I see a candidate do that, I say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pass them. Does that make, <laughs> right? Because they obviously know what they're doing. Does that make sense? Right? Can I give you useful information? Right. If you open up that medical alert bracelet, so you see diabetes on insulin. Person uptunded, Right. Allergic to this. Does that make sense? Cardiac pacemaker. Does that make sense? ICD implanted. You know, you can get some ideas. Right. Because keep in mind, I can make that station. I can make it with the person within a person with decreased LOC. Right. And you're just called to assess. This person is just off the street. You're just called to assess. Yes. Just You know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think they would just still do the traditional bracelet. You know what I mean? Because that's what people mostly have, you know? But check for that, right? Write that down. Put a circle and square on it. Medical alert, right? You can look for that type of thing, right? It can sometimes give you useful pieces of medical history, right? A Sioux If you want to get points on a Sioux, you know someone. Let's say, you know, let's bring this person out a little bit here, and we're going to convert him to a Sioux in a bit. What if he wasn't wearing a medical brace?s What might you recommend? Let's say in the soup? if this was a Sioux, you might recommend. You know what? It's probably a really good idea that you get what kind of medical, what kind of? There you go. Does that make sense? you are going from LMCC to Sioux. Does that make sense? Alright, okay, so what are we going to do, guys, right? They come in, the person who comes inside at the the dinner, at the birthday party said, no, there was absolutely no peanuts. My son uh, um, has a bad, bad peanut allergy. That's not um, his father, but another person there and stuff. And we make sure that there's no peanuts there. And he says, oh, oh, yeah, you know what? I got really bad asthma. Forgot to mention that. Really, really bad asthma. You know, I was in the hospital for, like, two weeks, three and a half years ago, with my asthma. I don't remember much. Whenever you hear that, I don't remember much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? That they, say, they say I was pretty sick. You, the minute you hear I don't remember much, you were pretty sick. Does that make sense? Because either you don't remember much because you were sick enough to not remember much, or we made you not remember much because we did a whole bunch of stuff to you. Does that make sense? Alright, so he comes inside. We're thinking, so what is our presumptive diagnosis so far? Yeah, maybe this guy has an asthma exacerbation. Could he also have an allergic reaction, folks? And the answer is, exactly, right? Now, we talked about asthma and anaphylaxis before, right? And remember, remember, can people with anaphylaxis, can they present with, can they obstruct with acute onset obstructive lung disease? They can, right? That can be a part of the presentation of anaphylaxis. We're good so far? All right, physical exam. What are you going to do on the exam? A uh-huh. You doing that, guys? No. Whispered plector. No. Excellent, right? What are you going to do? You're going to comment first, right? How does the person look? Write that down. What's their general appearance? They're in marked respiratory distress. They're tripod. You get points for that. I, I'm shocked because people oftentimes don't say that, and there's points allocated for saying that. Always keep in mind, write down the word general appearance. Just write it down, put a circular square around it right now. And when you write that down, general appearance is important. Does that make sense? Anytime you have a critically ill patient, you have to go, how do they look, right? This person looks sick. Even if you just say that, you've commented on general distress, they look like they're in mark. they look like they're having marked respiratory distress. We good so far? Let's rock on. Right? What else can you comment? Give me some other stuff. Give me some other stuff. We're going to comment on general appearance. and Work then, of Yeah, exactly. Work of breathing. I'm breathing. Excellent. Right here. Exactly. Any cyanosis? Exactly, right? I'm going to give you a little preview about what we're going to do in a month at our monster session, right? Because you all might not survive to this part of when we talk about this. Does that make sense? What you do for a respiratory examination is you start from the peripheral and you move central. What did I say, guys? You start from the peripheral. Move? Because you can get a lot of points just by starting from peripherally and move central on a focused cardiorespiratory examination. Start from the fingers and toes. What can you comment on? Give me some things. Cyanosis, clubbing. clubbing, clubbing. Write that down. What else can I comment on? What, what, what happens when I smoke? Good, right? Right? You can comment on that, right? What's that heart condition again? It gives you um, it gives you an infection in your heart. Remember in medical school, what kind of good? You comment on that. Exactly. You can comment on that. You know what? I don't appreciate any peripheral cyanosis. Does that make sense? Right? I don't appreciate uh, 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 um, uh, um, 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 um. Uh, any splinter hemorrhages. You're commenting on that. There's no peripheral. What happens when you touch? Can I touch the skin as well, too? Exactly. Is it warm? When I touch, what else can I touch? Your pulse. And I can see how, what's its, how strong it is. Does that make sense? You're getting points as you're reading these things off. Look at so far, guys? And you can go centrally. You've probably gotten five, six points. You haven't even grabbed your stethoscope yet. Does that make sense? Because what happens is when we get in that situation, we get a little bit nervous because we're thinking, oh, my God, you know, I, I, I really like that Audi TT and I need to get to Smooth Rock Falls to get it. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> You're just seeing that flashing before you. Does that make sense? Right? And we get a little bit nervous, right? So start from peripherally so you can comment. Doesn't mean that they're going to expect you to comment on every possible different thing, but comment on a couple things, right? You can comment on clubbing. You can comment on splinter hemorrhaging. Does that make sense? You can comment on the temperature. You can comment on the pulse. You can comment on, you see, the spaghetti thing. That's five things you can mention in three seconds for five months. Are we good so far? Exactly. Let's move more peripherally, right? It was peripherally here, right? Then I can look for signs of overt respiratory distress, right? So intercostal in-drawing, subcostal in-drawing, right? Laryngeal descent used to be called tracheal tugging. They call it laryngeal descent. Either one's acceptable, don't worry. Right? You know, a tracheal tug is actually a syphilitic. People with syphilitic aneurysms, that's why they got the term tracheal tugging. Right? It's a syphilitic aneurysm that would get really big and it would encase around your trachea. And that's actually the tracheal tug, right? Um, uh, um, it's one of those internal medicine themes, you know what I mean? Stuff where internists get really sort of, the, but either one is fine. Does that make sense? You're commenting about that, right? You good so far? Comment on scars? Can I see those in the chest? No, Everybody forgets them on the exam. You get points for saying no scars, right? Suppose that you see a, sterno- a, a vertical scar here, right? Is that, could that give you some useful information? Exactly. Maybe this person has had heart surgery before, right? you see a a scar, sorry, (laughs) you see a scar laterally, you might think, wow, maybe this person has had valvular surgery before. Maybe this person has had a pneumonectomy. Does that make sense? You can comment on that. You can comment on how the chest wall looks like. Does that make sense? Remember, encavatum, excavatum, right? Barrel chesting. These things are things you get points for. And you can mention all of these things in less than 10 seconds. We good so far? All right. Look, have we even grabbed our stethoscope yet, guys? Exactly, right. And we're just, doing a, we're just doing a cursory examination, right? And what we can do, so I can auscultate. What am I hearing? Let's say let's say I interrupt you as you're auscultating and I say you hear diffuse expiratory wheezes. In all regions of auscultation. All right, so what are you going to do? You hear this, you have your history, you have your physical exam. What are you going to do, guys? Good. I want everybody to write this down. Say, state what you think is going on. What do I say, guys? There you go. That's a good. That's a good sue rule as well. If you have a sue, right? You know what I mean. State what you think is going on, because if you read the stems. Oftentimes, on that management part, and we're going to talk about this next time, oftentimes on that management part, you get points for stating that you think it's allergic rhinitis and stating that you think it's COPD and stating that you think it's this or stating that you think is that. That is important. Does that make sense? So I believe you're having a bad asthma exacerbation. Does that make sense? Is that good? What are we going to do? Treatment. Good. Good. What are you going to give them, guys? Some? Good, great. So you can give them some salbutamol. You can give them some nebules of salbutamol. Does that make sense? They're looking to see that you're going to start to initiate the treatment for that, right? We good so far? Right? What else do we give? Let's say those aren't working. Huh? Yeah, you could probably give, um, you could probably give some uh, um, atrivent for the first three nebulizations. Not really a whole lot of benefit beyond that, right? What else could you give? Meg? Good, right? good. You could give some steroids as well too, right? You may have to give that epinephrine. Does that make sense? You may think, oh crap, maybe this is an allergic reaction. Let's try some epi. Does that make sense? I don't think we got to, did we get to, Sue, look out people, did we get to obstructive lung disease, putting people on the ventilator? Not quite yet. So I can't ask you guys that question, right? Obstructive lung lung disease on the ventilator and stuff. So did we do, you want to try this one? You want to try this one? There we go. Okay, fine. You're giving him. You're giving him a uh, Q continuous Ventolin. Contribu- continuous. Um, um, he's on continuous Ventolin. Continuous atrovent. He's gotten um, sub Q epi. He's getting nebulized epinephrine. Still having respiratory distress. O2 saturation is 87. percent um, um, You're noticing that his LOC is changing. Um, he's gotten some steroids. He's now getting continuous, essentially Ventolin treatment. Things are not improving. He's getting ventil- uh, um, um, He's getting continuous Ventolin. He's gotten some epi. He's gotten is magnesium, he's gotten some solubentrols, things are still not improving, you've called the ICU, they said, do you have any heliox, you do not have heliox at your uh, at your station, um, they do not have heliox in Sioux Lookout, you say, crap, I need to get this person to Thunder Bay, it's a six hour wait. Heliox is a mixture of helium and oxygen, right, that may get into airways a little bit easier, right, so some centers will use that in that particular case. You didn't, you didn't try to give him a bit of ketamine. Even try to you're just pulling out everything you can get from carisels. Does that make sense? That you think might bronchodilate, right? Ketamine, I've used before, right? Just try anything. Right, let's try, try to give this person anything that's going to bronchodilate. Does that make sense? All right. So we going to. What are you going to sedate him with? You're saying, crap, I need to intubate him. He's crashing. He is. He is. He's, he's, uh, um, um, he is experiencing worsening respiratory distress. So give me an agent that you're going to use to intubate him with. Good, you could use them with some ketamine, right? That's an option as well, too. Crap, you don't have any ketamine in the emerge. Good, excellent. You can use some fentanyl and midazolam, right? How much fentanyl are you going to give? Excellent. How much midazolam are you going to give? Good, excellent, right? You could use, you know what? You, there's a lot of things you can use. Just know what you use, right? In the ACES course, we teach you go with fentanyl and midazolam because you can get fentanyl and midazolam everywhere. What do like at big cities? Atom, fill it, complete the word, Etamo. Yeah, exactly. In Sulukat, we do not have etamo. In Fort France, they do not have You understand? Right, it's hard stuff to get. We good so far? Excellent. Excellent. What are you going to do, guys? What are you going to do? You grab the bag and mask? What are you going to do? Spray what in the back of his throat? Excellent. You're going to spray some lidocaine spray in the back of his throat. We good so far? So you give him the midazolam, you give him the fentanyl. Does that make sense? The nurse says, Man, we're tired of running back and forth. This is a big guy. We need to jump back and forth a number of times. So we want to make an infusion. How do I make that infusion? We don't have those nice little infusion protocols in Sue right? One amp and 250 cc. Excellent. Good. That just gives you a starting dose of any presser. Does that make sense? And a starting dose of any sedative agent. Is that useful, guys? You read up to date. What does up to date says? It says micrograms per kilogram per minute. Is that useful in this situation? No. Because is our brain working? No. And do we like to do math when our brain is not working? No. Because what can we make? We can make a miss. And when we make a mistake on a critically ill patient, it can cause them to there you go. Heuristic models, simple things, right? So you're gonna get put yeah. Huh? A normal saline, and start running at 30 cc's an hour. Does that make sense? That means you'll lowball people. But if you want to give more, you just up the infusion rate. Up it to 60, up it to 90, up it to 120. We're good so far? Is that so far? We good so far? So We got we got this guy sedated? We got this guy sedated? Good. Excellent. Love it. Drop phenylephrine. Phenylephrine is what? It's A, vaso? good because what happens is when you guys get out to practice you guys are going to be very new when this is happening to you in a rural environment all the nurses are going to say you drop all that midazolam and fentanyl your blood pressure is going to go way down you don't know what you're doing that all happened to to me right when i came to see what kind of fentanyl midazolam it's like blood pressure 90 systolic maybe we should call the (laughs) corner does that make sense right but what is phenylephrine, right? Phenylephrine is a vasopressor. How many, uh, how many P's does phenylephrine have? It has? So we dilute it? There you go. Excellent. So now you're going to drop midazolam, you're going to drop fent, phenyl, phenyl, fentanyl, and you drop phenylephrine. Does that make sense? You're all prepared now. Does that make sense? You have your infusion going. Good stuff. You intubate them. What, what can you say? Intubate? You might ask, do you have A? Or do you have an air? Good. Excellent. A lot of places don't have a glide scope; have an air track, right? And we're going to be discussing that. What the air, what that is in the Aces close. So if you go to a place like Smooth Rock Falls, which has one, but no one knows that they're to use it. Does that make sense? And we can make your life for intubation a hell of a lot easier. Does that make sense? We're good so far. All right. Did we get the tube down. We're bagging him. Oh man, this guy's super hard to bag. Oh 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 oh. Really hard to beg. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We get them connected to the vent. Right? Give me some initial ventilator settings. At this point, do you want to go with a volume setting or a pressure setting? Good. Excellent. You could go with volume setting. Does that make sense? Right? Right? Give me a title volume. 800. Excellent. Again, math. We don't like math. Okay. Does that make sense? Males, Excellent. So 600 for males, 500 for females. What else do I need? 12. Excellent. Keep the respiratory and obstructive lung disease. Really? Low to give them lots of time to breathe out. five. Excellent, right? Well, peep. Oftentimes, people with obstructive disease they don't need a whole lot of peep, right? But you could start off with a peep or five. Oftentimes, they don't need a whole lot of peep. Does that make sense? FiO two off. There you go. Mode. AC. Does that make sense? You could switch to SIMB afterwards. Does that make sense? That's what you guys are going to learn in the ACES course. You guys will be able to be in that situation and know exactly what to do. That's what I, when I did my fellowship, I did a fellowship in critical care, and the problem is I did not know that when I started in Sue Lookout. Does that make sense? All those little tiny details, does that make sense? That could have made my life a hell of a lot easier. Does that make sense? And that's what I want to share with you guys when we do that. Does that make sense? So you guys know all those little tips, all those little tricks. So this can be a situation that can be, instead of being, oh, my God, this person is going to die and I have no idea what to do, to that, you know what, I'm, I, I, I have some strategies that I can employ. Does that make sense? I'm not as proud as helpless as I, as I think I am. But so far, that's what you could do. Now, for your examination, they would never take it that far. They would expect you to know, okay, you know what, let's treat him, he gets better. Does that make sense? think he has an allergy, get him an EpiPen. Does that make sure? Make sure he takes it, right? We good so far? Excellent. Critical care is pretty cool, eh? I like critical care. All right. Guidelines. Oh. We have to do a few things tonight. We got through some of the C's and some of the D's and stuff like that. Okay. One of the things for the examination, Deep Venus... Thrombosis. Does that make sense? I'm just not gonna spend too too much time on this one, right? So, these are just one of kind of our odds and ends, right? Right. So, DVT. Okay. So, what is a DVT? Big deal. Exactly. So, a deep vein thrombosis. Right. What are some risk factors for getting a DVT? Shout out some. Obesity. What else? Long trips. Immobilities. Cancer. Pregnancy, smoking, does that make sense? Remember this thing called Virchow's Triad, write that down, does that make sense? Remember that thing, you have endothelial damage, right? You have venous stasis, right? And hypercoagulable state. Right, so you can be hypercoagulable because of pregnancy, you can be hypercoagulable because of cancer, does that make sense? You can have venous injury from any one of a number of things, does that make sense? You can have stasis from obesity, you can have stasis from a lot of stuff, right? Stasis from, you know, being on a, being on the red-eye flight to Australia, does that make sense? All right, virtual trial. We are good so far? All right, so you have a person and you suspect that they have a deep venous thrombosis. Right? Before, like, you know, man, it used to be, it, you, DVT used to be hard to diagnose, right? Because we, we had all this stuff, you know, and, and uh, you, you know, a lot of things can look like a DVT that are not a DVT, like phlebitis. Does that make sense? Or heart failure, right? Because most of the time when you have a DVT, where do you tend to get it? In your Leg and how does that, what's the principle way that might manifest? You might get some pain, but most people get some swelling. And lots of things can give you swelling in your legs, like a cellulitis. Does that make sense? Like a phlebitis. Lots of stuff. Now, a guy by the name of Dr. Wells came up with some criteria to decide what this notion of called pretest probability What did I say, guys? Repeat it. It's called? Pre-test probability. Excellent. What is a pretest probability? It's basically it uses clinical factors to come up with a very scientific term called a hunch. But so what is your likelihood? What is your pretest probability that this person has a DVT or not? There's Wells criteria for DVTs and there's Wells criteria for PEs. Does that make sense? The take-home message for DVT on this examination is that you want to make sure that you use the Wells criteria. You don't want to get D-dimerites, where everybody comes in and D-dimer, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh man, I'm glad you're feeling better. We're helping your COPD exacerbation. You know, I think we'll be able to get you home. And it's like D-dimer 1200. Like, ah, we wanted this. Does that make sense? <laughs> How many of you have ever, ever had that happen before? That has happened to me. Oh, you know what I mean? You're handing over the next, the last dog. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, they have a COPD. I know a diagnosis. They feel so much better. Does that make sense? I have to deal with this D-dimeritis. Huh. Does that make sense? So you don't want to get D-dimeritis, right? You want to make sure that you use the Wells criteria because the Wells criteria defines two, two risk groups, right? Lower risk and higher risk. Does that make sense? And low-risk people, it's a, a D-dimer can be useful because if it's negative, it rules it out for both DVT and PE. Does that make sense? If it's positive, that means you need to do a more confirmatory test. So for DVTs, that's what? An ultra? Good stuff. Well, actually, the gold standard is actually still vinography, but no one does venography anymore. Does that make sense? So ultrasound, right? Right. And for a PE, what are you going to do, right? Exact, exactly. A CT with contrast. Does that make sense? We've good so far. The key is that you want to do is that you only do do you only do the D-dimer on people with a low pretest probability of having a DVT. Does that make sense? If they come inside and they have active cancer, they've been on the red-eye flight to Australia, they've had five plots in the past, you know what I mean, and stuff? They have all these risk factors, all these re- Wells risk factors, you're not gonna do a D-dimer, right? Because it shouldn't, it's only for people who are low risk. Does that make sense? And it's only useful because if it's negative, it rules it. There you go. Good so far? Crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Excellent. There's there's Wells criteria for DVT and there's Wells criteria also as well for pulmonary emboli. Good so far. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a few things. I like to throw on the exam. What what if the person's pregnant? Can pregnant people get DVTs? Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. What can I do? Let's say I'm concerned this pregnant person has a pulmonary embolus. I won't make a DVT because that would be too easy, right? Could right. Excellent with the proper shielding. Does that make sense? CTP protocol, even with pregnancy, but just keep in mind. Exactly. We're good so far. Still CTP protocol, right? with proper shielding. Does that make sense? The problem with VQ scans is that VQ scans, the thing is, is that if you already have baseline lung disease, the VQ scan, it gives you this result called an intermediate result. Have we ever gotten VQ scans and you get that result before? You get this scan, and it gets it back, and if the person has baseline lung disease, so if they have bad COPD on top that they don't have for years, the VQ scan, the problem is you get this funny result that's called an intermediate Well, How do I interpret that? Does that make sense? So it doesn't mean that we can't use VQ scans, but we have to be cautious with them, Right? we good so far? So, pregnancy. Okay. Just going to mention that. So, let's say, okay, you know what? You've diagnosed that person and they have a pulmonary embolus and they're pregnant. And they have a big segmental pulmonary emboli. Right? What are you going to do? Call up. Good, right? Call for help, right? Right? Huh? Good question. How far along are they? Because that affects what you can do, right? Because remember, I just want to talk about general things for treatment as well, right? Remember, how do we treat? Everybody usually gets either a low molecular weight heparin or unfractionated heparin first. Does that make sense? And then afterwards, usually people get warfarin. Does that make sense? And the length of time is usually six to nine months. Does that make sense? We're good so far? All right, that's usually how it's done. Now, when someone who's pregnant, right, can can I use low molecular weight heparin in pregnancy? The answer is yes right? Can I use heparin, regular heparin in pregnancy? The answer is yes. Can I use coumadin in pregnancy? The answer is no, not in the first trimester. You can use it after the first trimester, but not in the first trimester. So if this person's in the first trimester, what are you going to do? You're going to just continue with them on the low molecular weight heparin. You can continue them on through the entire pregnancy. Does that make sense? Right? Or you can switch them to coumadin after they get out of the first trimester. We're good so far. Crystal clear. Now, let me, did I say that right? Continue them through the entire pregnancy. So do you want women showing up? Oh, it's about to happen. I'm 39 and five and my, oh, it's going to happen. I'm going to deliver. Oh, what's my INR? I think it was like four. Do you want them to do that? Exactly, right? We don't want them to do that. So oftentimes right before delivery, right, uh, two to four weeks before expected date of confinement, what do we do? We'll switch them back to? Low molecular weight heparin, a regular heparin, does that make sense? Because what can I do to low molecular weight heparin, a regular heparin that's a lot more harder to do with Coumadin is, is turn it? There you go. we good so far? Crystal clear? DVT, PE. Wells criteria, don't get D dimeritis. Uh, um, uh, don't get D dimeritis, does that make sense? Um, uh, uh, um, the Wells criteria allows you to decide. D- decide um, um, low risk, high risk, low risk. Consider D-dimer because it helps you to rule it out. High risk people need the better test, right? If it's if it's uh, if it's uh, PE, it's going to be a spiral, uh, like a ctpe protocol. And if it's a DVT, it can be an ultrasound. We good so far? Treatment: heparin. Does that make sense? Either low molecular heparin or unfractionated heparin. Remember, if I put in a little caveat in this question here, the person has is on dialysis. Can I ask that question? Right? What are you going to do? Are you going to use low molecular weight heparin? No. Right? Because can I give can I someone's on dialysis, can I give them a lot of low molecular weight heparin? Low not? No, you can't. Does that make sense? You might have to use regular unfractionated heparin. Does that make sense? If I'm concerned about this person bleeding, so let's say they come and they say, well, two weeks before, he bled down to 70. His hemoglobin well no, that's 70. 70, like his sulica, that's like 30. Does that make sense? He bled down to 70. That's no problem. That's okay. <laughs> oh, 70 is like normal. No, that's my hemoglobin. <laughs> right? But let's say if I was concerned about bleeding, I might use unfractionated heparin as well, too, because what can I do with unfractionated heparin a lot easier than low-molecular heparin is turn it. What do I turn it off with again? Protein. Good. Protein sulfate. Does that make sense? You see, we touched on a lot of things, right? I could ask you any one of those, any one of those, uh, 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 any one of those types of questions. they are not gonna go into too details on how long and what the bridging is. Does that make sense? But they do expect you to know generally what we just talked about. Is that good so far? Oh, are you okay? Is the computer okay? Okay. okay. Oh, did I hit it down? No. okay, oh, okay. I didn't need no. to. Okay. <laughs> so, All right guys. Diabetes! Dun, dun, dun. This is this pretty big? Just a little. And you know what, guys? Diabetes is amazing. Because it's really changed in the last little bit, right? What did the Canadian Task Force... I remember Dr. Dr. Moyer talked to a little bit about this last time. I remember the Canadian Task Force in about November, December last year came up with a new set of screening guidelines. Does that make sense? Good so far? That came out before December. So what does that mean? Are you guys responsible for, for this exam? The answer is, yeah. Now you see, when I learned about diabetes and screening, what did we talk about? We said, oh, my answer was you. Well, you start people at what age, guys? We used to start people at 40. Does that make sense? And then if you have certain risk factors, we start you before that. But you guys have something completely different. Does that make sense? And I like what you guys have. It's really, really cool, right? All right we're going to talk about that in a moment. So is diabetes? what is diabetes, guys? What is it? There we go. Repeat that for me there. That's really (laughs) That is pretty cool. (laughs) That is pretty cool. Excellent. Excellent. Right? And what does, now think about that. So you have a problem, right? So let's break it down, right?